This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Jim Palmer. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, John. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm so glad to have you here in... Um, let me tell everybody here a little bit about Jim and uh, why I'm so excited to have have you guys hear what he has to say. Uh, he's a marketing and business building expert. He's also a coach. Everybody knows how much I love coaching. He's the founder of Dream Biz Academy, Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. He's the host of the newsletter Guru TV. Uh, it's a hit weekly web TV show. Thousands of entrepreneurs are turning tuning into what he's doing. Uh, small business owners. He also hosts the Stick Like Glue Radio. It's a weekly podcast based on how Jim's unique brand of marketing and business building strategies. He's also internationally known as the newsletter guru and creator of the No Hassle Newsletter. And we know newsletters is a, an important way of communicating uh, with with this tribe as we build a tribe. But also, you just have a just a great heart for, for Christ. We were praying before we got started here, and I, I just can't wait to share some of your wisdom, Jim, because, you know, a theme that we've been talking about on the podcast in the last couple months is really right up your alley. It's how to connect to what you were called to do. That's kind of the big why. Then figuring out what you need to do and then how to do it to really manifest this and bring it fully out into our life, because I think there's a lot of people in business, people listening that are uh, might describe themselves maybe on a plateau. There's probably some times in their life in the past where they were just achieving some big worthwhile goals and dreams. They felt like they were moving forward and that's not where they're at now. And we want to get them back in that mode because that's an exciting place. So uh, I would love, but before we get started, Jim, I would love for you to just share a little bit about just kind of your journey and just kind of bring us back and help people get to know you before we really dive into some great stuff here. Oh, I'd love to, because I can just remember some of the things about goals and getting, I'd love to react to that. But, you know, I started, uh, I became an entrepreneur when I was 42. I got married early and started having kids. I had four kids by the time I was 27 years old. And um, we made a life decision that my wife, Stephanie, would be a stay-at-home mom. So I was the career career person. And uh, I had a personal goal just for no other reason to say, I want to be a VP by the time I'm 40. And I did that. And when I was 41, my position was eliminated, which might cleanse, cleanse way of saying you're out of work, Jim. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, whatever makes you feel better, right? Yeah. So um, I really felt at that point in my life, John, with I had four teenagers at home. There's, you know, all the insurances and mortgage and thing called food, which I can't imagine supporting a family of four today. Good Lord. But um, but I, I really felt even though I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur someday, now is not the right time. So I, I just set about finding my next position. Well, fast forward one year, I was still out of work <clears throat> and my, my next position did not seem to be in the horizon. Mm. And so I was at a pretty low place. I mean, when I was when I first lost my job, Stephanie was very worried. And I said, honey, don't worry about it. I'll be fielding multiple lucrative job offers in weeks, you know. Yeah, and, the men um, are always the optimists, aren't we? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I did. I, I've done pretty well for myself. But, 
you know, my, my once a healthy ego and confidence was just like dust on the floor at that point. And, and just to make matters a little bit uh, more stressful, uh, in August of 2001, I was diagnosed with uh, stage two melanoma mm. and now had to face that. And <clears throat> that really was um, condensing a kind of a long story. That was really the episode that brought me to my knees. I said, I'm in just such a mess. I have no job, no prospects for job. I'm kind of fighting for my survival really um, for about three weeks between meeting with the surgeon and the actual surgery. I didn't know if it was stage two or three and the difference is whether your chances of being around in five years are either 80, 20 or 50, 50. So had to really think about that for three weeks, all, all part of God's plan I recognize today. But, um, when I came out of the surgery, um, I, I just didn't know what to do. And, and, uh, I remember it was shortly after I, I was on the couch watching TV on September 11th, kind of recovering. And that's when the nine 11 happened and, mm. and the, the job market, whatever there was just completely dried up. And, um, I remember John, I just kind of rolled off and got on my knees and I had, I, had, it's not like I didn't not believe in God, but I didn't have, I was a C and E or I'm sure you're familiar with that term. Go to a church Christmas and Easter, maybe oh, yeah. one or two more times. If, if your wife's glare is strong enough on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. We call them priesters out here. Yeah. And, um, but instead of just saying, God, I need help. Can you help me find a job? I just said, I, I don't know what to do. I've obviously made a complete mess of my life. Please tell me what it is you want me to do. I, I fully know you're in charge now. Because, you know, the whole thing about being in charge as a man is you're in charge. You're in charge of the house. And, of course, I've grown. I've been married 36 years. I sort of know that's not true either. But, you know, I'm in charge. And the last thing I was holding on to was that um, I was in charge of my career, right? And I really know now, and with hindsight being 2020, God said, if you really think you're in charge of career, watch this. And I know that's why he took my job away because um, I read this book after the fact uh, the, the following May or following June on Father's Day, our church, the men's group gave out a book called Seven Seasons of the Man in the Mirrors by Patrick Morley. And the this book described season three and basically in a nutshell it said God loves you so much that he will bless you with a season of crises and the season of crises is what will drop you to your knees. And then following that is a season of renewal and rebuilding, which is where I am now. Hmm. Well, I can I can completely relate to that, but I'd love for you to go back, you know, maybe at that you know that point when you were able to almost kind of regroup internally and just start taking some of those small steps forward back into what you've created today. If you can kind of think back to that point, what are some of the things that you did or learned or noticed as you started taking those small steps forward to lead to, you know, bigger steps and a little more confidence as you, as you just kept moving into what the future held. What was interesting is when I prayed for, for guys that God, please tell me what it is I'm supposed to do. I almost heard immediately start your business, stop waiting for things to get easier. Just start your business now. Mm. And, and kind of a funny side note, my fifth book that I wrote was stop waiting for it to get easier. I kind of remembered that. And um, <clears throat> so I, I, I actually being very new to this, all of a sudden I'm, I'm literally talking to God and I'm hearing him through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, wow, this is, I've never experienced this before. 
And I literally said, John, I don't know if I can ask this, but um, I don't want to get it wrong. And I've, we've already wasted so much time. I'm heavily in debt now and have no, no savings. I said, can you give me three signs that this is, I really have this right? Because I would love to start a business. God knows how I'm going to do it. I got no money. But um, two days later, after I, I asked for, for three signs, my wife, Stephanie, she had gone back to work, had a part-time position. She got a full-time director's position at a large daycare. It was like 10000 more in salary a year. Mm-hmm. Congress at that point, if you remember, they it was this unemployment. Every six months, they were trying to pass another extension. Didn't look like they were going to do it this time. But in the fall of 2001, they passed another six-month extension on unemployment just as I was about to run out. There's number two. And number three, and this happened like on the sixth day after I prayed, I went to the gym to work out. That was kind of the one luxury I kept just because it helped me with my stress. So I walk in there and I see somebody that, you know how you see gym you call them friends, but they're really gym friends. Right. Uh, and, um, hey, Dave. Hey, Jim. And this question I've been getting for 15 months, how's the job hunt going? I said, not so good. And he goes, when are you just going to start your own business? What are you waiting for? And I'm like, you got, I, almost, I almost fell on the floor. <laughs> like, wow, that's three. And so, John, the reason I told you that is when I started my business, broken in debt, I was so on fire excited because I was 100% convinced that this is what I'm supposed to do now. And, it, and it'll kind of, you know, if God's with me, who can be against me? I know I'll be successful. So that's that's what really got me. I went from being, in my own words, an unemployed loser to the founder of my own corporation. <laughs> that's how I saw that. <laughs> yeah, and you could make that switch overnight, can't you? Immediately. It happened immediately. Now, what led you? Now, how did you, what was the process that kind of, um, that you used, Jim, to kind of narrow down into what you're doing now? Well, my, my uh, career, I mean, I was involved in retail and regional management. Um, I helped um, start and grow a franchise from 14 stores to 80 stores. I was in marketing. Uh, I had started an association, which grew to $500 million in two years. So I had all this varied experience, um, kind of a lot like yourself. And what I did is I figured, well, I'll be a consultant. What do you do when you're out of work? Well, you get a business card and call yourself a business consultant. Sure. <laughs> and so um, so that started, that was a little difficult. And I knew, I full knew it was going to be difficult. But I had, I wrote my first newsletter when I was 21. I was managing a bicycle store. And every job I had after that, as part of what I did in the marketing department, I created a customer newsletter. So I was like, newsletters are awesome. They work. <clears throat> so I said, well, every business in the world can use a newsletter. So I will simply get some newsletters, uh, clients, and that'll be how I pay the rent, so to speak. And I also figured that's an easier sale. Once I'm doing their newsletter and they see me once a month and they're interacting with me, they'll say, hey, Jim's a smart guy. Let's hire him as a consultant. <laughs> that was my view at the time. And what happened is newsletters took off and I just kind of left the consultant thing aside until about 2008 or so when I started my coaching program. Wow. And now... <clears throat> When you in your coaching program, because it's called the Dream Biz Academy, I'd love for you to share, you know, more about what that is. Yeah, so um, I started my coaching program, and I called it the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Then uh, about mm, three plus years ago, I started doing live events called Dream Business Academy. 
And <clears throat> so a dream business is one that has multiple streams of revenue. It's fun to operate. It's always firing in all cylinders. It helps provide for your uh, worry-free retirement. It becomes an asset for worry-free retirement. It allows you to give back and make a difference in the lives of others. And so that's kind of what a dream business is. It's not something where you, on Sunday night, you go, oh, crap, I have to go to work. It's like, oh, yes, can't wait to go in there and, and keep building my dream business. What I've learned over the time is I've worked with more and more people through, um, through the coaching program, and you alluded to this, the, the big why. So many times people think their big why is just you know putting more uh, dollars in the checking account. And when I think the real magic happens for a lot of entrepreneurs is when they can take their business, because every business starts um, with the skill or talent, or in some cases it's a product, but if you have a skill or talent, man, you're in business, you start getting clients, now you have a business. And the way you grow that business is uh, through marketing and things. But really, most people, coaches, etc., they have a, a skill for being a coach, but they don't know how to market. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> with the closer they get to uh, helping people achieve their dreams, see, now, you're, now you can see yourself impacting other people's lives. And it's something you don't realize when you start out because you're starting out and even one or two years in, you see, oh, this person's doing pretty well. That's good. She took my advice or whatever. But when you get to be about five years in, uh, if if you're doing well and and doing good by folks, then you can start to see people double their business. and, And they're like, you can't, I just can't tell you how much this has changed my life. That's the magic, right? That's the real dream. And that's why, you know, that's personally why I keep working the way I'm doing, because the more I can help entrepreneurs and small business owners um, take their business to the next level, I'm making an impact much more than just the impact on my own checking account, if you know what I mean. Yeah, completely. Now, now you think about Now, you talked about two very important concepts. I think, you know, almost the, the, the energy that allows you to move a new business forward or into uh, what you've been called to do. And it doesn't always mean that you need to go start a company. It's maybe refining what you're doing right where you're planted right now in the office or even cubicle that you're at. But it's those strengths, those gifts, those skills that and then but you have to couple that with that why because i really think that gives you the direction on how to apply all those gifts and strengths and skills that you have toward that you know what you're meant to do does does that make sense it does make sense and i think you know they say you attract like-minded people so people know who i am i'm I'm not, I'm not like, hey, Jim's the Christian business coach, but I'm very open about being a Christian, you know, kind of a slightly different spin there. But people know who I am. They know from my books and, and from hearing me speak or all the different things. They know how I feel about giving back and serving others and and all these different things. So when I, when I coach a new client, very often they're familiar with this is the way I run my business. And they say, Jim, I, I was thinking I really want to make a difference. And I was thinking of doing this, like maybe I could help all these people for free and I'll still grow over here. And I'm saying, listen, first of all, I, I applaud your mindset. But um, there's a saying, the greatest way to help the poor is not be one of them. So let's build your business that will give you the revenue stream that will allow you to make certain choices. So if you want to, for one of my clients is a dentist and like one, um, one day a quarter, she literally opens up her office and the uh, 
poor people and especially veterans in her area can come in and get their teeth cleaned for free, totally free. And because she has a thriving business, she can do that. You know what I mean? So you do you do want to create a business that will allow you to, to not only support your own lifestyle, but allow you to have that part of your business, which becomes your mission or your passion. You know, you, you do have to have the revenue to do that. Yeah. One of our sayings we have around here is, that, you know, the world doesn't need another broke philanthropist. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's <laughs> got a good mind. But, you know, oh, this is so, John, I was at this uh, one of the charity events we support. And it was like their national, not their national thing, but the local uh, big banquet. <clears throat> and the um, the executive director got up and this was gosh, this was easily uh, eight, 10 years ago. I forget. It was during an election cycle. I think it was the one with Mitt Romney, actually. And um, she started saying things about rich people because remember everybody was poking fun about he's got a car with an elevator you know i mean a garage with an elevator that I mean they just totally picked him apart for being rich and for some reason i cannot predict because it was a horrible mistake on her part she started talking about rich and after it was over i walked up to her and i said i just want to let you know if it wasn't for rich people in this room your charity would not be able to do the great work i know it does just a different thought on that <laughs> and she thanked me up and down for for up, coming up to her and saying that, but you're right. It's, you, it, yeah, a broke philanthropist isn't going to be able to do much. Now, now, Jim, you just wrote a book on success triggers because the way you framed it was, you know, you might, you know, you might have some clarity, some awareness of these skills and talents that we have, right? And we're also, you know, seeking to learn and grow in those areas. We want to create this this dream business. But there's some some triggers that we need to really work through to really unleash that. And I'd love for you to, to cover some of those. Yep. So uh, the book is called Decide the Ultimate Success Trigger. And somebody asked me on an interview <clears throat> probably about two years ago, um, you know, a lot of times in an interview, what's the one thing, you know, the one thing. And um, <laughs> yeah, what's that? What's that movie? The one thing. With yeah. The Curly. Thing. Uh, <clears throat> the Western movie. Uh, uh you, you, oh, is that the one where they uh they go on the horseback ride? Yeah, yeah, on. yeah. I remember that with Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal, that's right. All right. Anyway, go ahead. I digress. So, but it ended slightly. He goes, "What's the one word um, which would most describe the difference between your ordinary entrepreneur and your and somebody who's highly successful?" And I said, "Decide." And they go, well, "What do you mean?" I said. Very successful, high achievers have the ability to quickly look at any situation, opportunity, problem, et cetera. They'll assess yes, no, pluses and minus, but then they'll decide. In other words, they don't think about it. They don't put it on the back burner. They don't run it up the flagpole. They don't run and ask 20 people. They decide, and then they get into action. So the ability to decide quickly, yes or no, but not maybe. And by the way, the, I really believe uh, if there's such a thing, your decide muscle, that part of your brain, it's just like any other workout. The the more you use it, the, the stronger it gets. I mean, some people call it intuition, spirit, whatever. But when you are able to make quick decisions and move forward, see, one thing is growing businesses thrive on momentum and decision making is, is a necessary part of momentum. Indecision is, is the opposite of that. And I'm a boater, so I'll use nautical terminology. It's like throwing an anchor off, off your stern and trying to get up on plane. You're just dragging all this indecision and, and un unease. So it is the ability to decide. Now, within the book, I talk about several things that 
uh, are mindset traps that yeah. that will that will trip people up and people have this. Are fear. those the anchors that you're dragging? You think they are? Mindset? They are. There's several things, and and I talk very openly. This book was very much like me getting on the couch and my therapist and spilling my guts. I mean, there were things that I know. Um, successful people, especially in the coaching uh, industry, are doing. And and so, you know, seven years ago when I was trying to really ramp up my coaching business, I'm looking around, I'm seeing, you know, uh, friends and peers and other people that I wanted to emulate. And in my head, the way I describe it, John, is they're going like zipping down the passing lane, but I was going to move over on the soft shoulder and just go, eventually I'll get there because I didn't want to do certain things. I, I really had a fear of public speaking. I didn't want to um, write books because you know, I barely got out of high school and, you know, I couldn't string four sentences together. <laughs> I mean, all these different things. I was afraid to do my own live events. Well, what if nobody comes and I'm on the hook for $25,000? Right. All these different things, but I had to address them all. And I had a... Um, I had a good friend who's a very successful coach. He said to me, he goes, Jim, let me ask you something. I said, what's that? He goes, what makes you think you're entitled to the same level of success as, as these peers and people you emulate, yet you're not willing to do the same things they do? And that was like, bam, <laughs> you know? And mm. um, so I really, I really set about taking care. I've, I've kicked every fear to the curb. The, the last one that I really, the last uh, Goliath that I really had to slay was doing live events. And I started uh, three years doing my own live events and have, have sold out five of them. Now, if you go back to that moment, you know, when you were talking about not being in that fast lane, what, what do you think was allowed you to create that breakthrough and start decide to do these other things that have been holding you back and and hit the blinker and, and move over into a different lane. Oh, I'm going to tell you, and this is this is really really powerful. And this is something you can do that won't actually cost you any money, but it's it's so powerful. And what it is, John, is you have to personalize the um, cost of not doing it. Mm. Now, for me, um, you know, my I have uh, two older boys and my girls. Uh, I have twin girls. They're now 28. But um, back around this time, they were, uh, I, I don't know whether they were high school juniors or seniors, but I know they wanted to go to college. I knew they'd probably end up getting married and things like that. And, you know, it was, it's just like every parent's dream. To, I'd love to at least help my kids pay for college. And, you know, with, with daughters, the you're on the hook for the wedding for the most part. And I'm thinking, as an entrepreneur, you, you're the owner of the business. In other words, nobody's going to call you down the hall and say, why aren't you doing this? You're the decision maker. The buck stops with you. Oh. And so if, I, if someone calls me and says, hey, Jim, we'd love to have you come talk to our group about newsletters. For so many years, my, well, you know, I'm really busy right now. I appreciate the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to go speak to a group of people. And when I started figuring out that, okay, I personally may be okay with that decision, that indecision. I'm personally okay if it slows the growth of my business. Business. But the inability of me to do what I need to do to, to grow my business in a significant way and therefore increase my revenue and, and personal income, that's now going to have a very uh, negative impact on my kids. See, I really believe, John, that we as people will step up and do things for other people that we won't necessarily do for ourselves. And if you think about it, think about the, it's the end of a day or maybe end of a long week and, and you look at your to-do list and you go, I should really do that, that before I close out. And you go, nah, I'll just tackle it Monday morning or I'll, maybe I'll get up Saturday and do something. But if somebody called you and said, hey, John, there's, um, 
we're doing a, a Habitat for Humanity or, you know, this old person uh, needs help moving some furniture. Can you just give me a hand for an hour? I guarantee you're going to say yes, right? So the ability to help other people more than you help yourself is one of the most powerful things. So what I, what I suggest to my folks that I work with, I said, you got to personalize the negative effect of your not doing what you know you need to do. Mm. That's a powerful concept. So, you know, as people are, you know, when you're coaching with people, people are going through your live events, what are some of the other areas that you've seen people really start to have some aha moments? One of them is um, something I say is you will earn significantly more revenue for who you are than what you do. See, it's not about the deliverable because there's honestly hundreds or thousands of other people that would deliver the result mm. that you want to do. Um, so one of the ways I, I help people understand that is I suppose uh, you need some uh, a copywriter. You need to have some kind of a brochure or sales letter or website written. You, can, you could hire a copywriter for $10,000 and believe me, get some really, really great copy. There's also copywriters that would charge you $100,000 and they would be the first ones to admit that their copy is not 10 times better. And the reason uh, certain people will go to that person is they have established themselves. They're like, they're at the top of the mountain. They're the pinnacle. Uh, if I, I just know it's going to be, you know, the creme de la creme of copywriting. Plus I want to say, hey, by, by the way, I had so-and-so write my copy. So it's really all about the personal uh, celebrity, creating yourself as a celebrity go-to expert. That's where the real money is made. And, you know, I know when we started out our conversation, John, I mentioned it's not it's not so much what you're doing, it's the marketing part of it. So somebody somebody could be like 10 times the newsletter person I am. Somebody could be 100 times better as a business coach. But I guarantee because of really effective marketing, I have a, probably a better reputation than they do. And that's not, that's not saying, ha ha, look at me. It's like marketing and positioning. That's where the real money is made. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting point, right? Um, so you're, you're talking about, and I agree with you, it's about who you are, not exactly what you do. So I have two questions here. What, you know, what is the mindset you think that's behind people not connecting that? And then when I think about marketing, right, because a lot of people are not very good at marketing and sales, because, you know, when we're growing a business, we need to have revenue, we need to have paying clients. Um, I'd love to your thoughts on how you tie marketing into that concept about who you are, not what you do. So one of the things that I um, have people do is um, realize, you know, for example, this is a very, this is kind of a step one le low level thing, but a lot of people will fill up their Facebook or things with different quotes from successful people. And I think that's fine because it's sort of uh, in a lightweight power of association, but successful people, if you notice, they have their own language, they have their own quotes, they have their own um, language and terminology. I mean, let's, let's face it, I created the dream business coaching program. I could have just said, hey, I'm a coach. If you want me to help you build a business, come see me. I created the dream business. I actually came up with a whole bullet list of what a dream business is. That list includes things that people would like to have. It's fun to operate. Multiple streams of revenue. It becomes an asset for worry for retirement. I mean, it's really the essence of, of what is finding out what the pain point is and what people are looking for and and because they search for that you know if you're I'll, I'll give you another example another industry let's say you're a dentist and let's say you you went 
to 10 years more of school than every other dentist. In fact, you can clean teeth, you know, six and a half minutes faster. You know how to do this, that, and the other thing. Your patients love, whatever it is. But if nobody knows about that, those skills, they, they don't mean anything. And meanwhile, you could have a, an average dentist, Mr. and Mrs. Joe average dentist, and they're really, really good at marketing. And they position themselves a certain way, whether they're whether their practice is attractive to children or whether they go after the executive market, whatever it is, they, they get known for that. And, and that's, that's, so it's not a skills based thing. Does that answer your question or? No, I, no, I think that, you know, that's, that's what I was getting at because, okay. So let, let's say somebody, you know, takes a hold of this, right? It's really about me and the unique value. Cause I, I'm big on really helping people connect to their unique value. What are, what is a problem that that you can solve out there listening that nobody else can solve in the way that you do, right? Right. And and once we've connected to that, now I have to take that and turn that into uh, a business. So what would that next step be for people? What holds a lot of people? It's all fear based for the most part. You know, for me. Um, and being afraid of being a speaker, well, that's a, that's, that's a fear. People will laugh at me or whatever, or holding my event. My fear is I'm going to go substantially in the hole because nobody will come <laughs> or worse yet. What if my marketing really works and I put up 50 or hundred people in the room and I freeze when I get up there and everybody runs to the back of the room asking their money back. <laughs> I mean, those are things I call it head trash. That's the stuff that rolls around in our heads. Another one that, um, I think holds a lot of people back, John is, is it's called the imposter syndrome. Mm. And I don't care if you're, you know, you're 50 years into your business or five years, people have this fear of being found out. I kind of put hand quotes around found out. And what that means is that, am I worthy enough to do this? Am I worthy enough to charge the right amount of money? Because people, and I remember this, when I started my business, uh, I started in, at my dining room table with a with a used computer, and I I got uh, free business cards at VistaPrint. Now you know, with, it actually said free or some message on the back because they were free. <laughs> and you know, and I my fear is that when I went out there um, knocking on doors and and taking meetings, people were going to go. They were going to ask me, "How long have you been in business? Oh, are you the guy sitting at your dining room table? <laughs> you know, with an old computer and free cards." And free cards, but you, you have to present yourself. And part of the way I started working through that was, well, how long have you been doing this, right? And I would answer the question, I have been creating newsletters actually since I was 21, which was you know, approximately 20 for the last 20 years. And so I went more on the experience base. I was deathly afraid somebody's going to ask me, where's your office? And a couple times it came up and I said, oh, I, I, I'm in Chester County. Well, where? Over by Eagle View. Oh, are you in Eagle View Corporate Center? No, I'm actually off of Township Line Road. That would usually end it, but occasionally someone would say, well, where, you know, it's like the kid asking why a hundred times. And I said, I have a home-based office and they go, oh, that's awesome. I wish I could do that and get rid of this commute. But the fear is if you didn't have a home-based office, it's, believe me, today, home-based offices are like the dream. But, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was like, oh, it's not quite a real business. Well, I love having my home-based office. I'm sitting here in my office with a microphone in front of my computer and recording this on Skype, and we talked about earlier, Jim, this is now, we have 13, 14,000 people tuning into the podcast every month in 176 countries, developed a, 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 a large coaching practice. My wife has been able to come home from work and, and join me here. And, and I think the other thing, too, is, you know, there's, when we give ourselves permission to actually start dreaming big, 
right? And you said you wanted to circle back to this. So I'd love to know your thoughts. When you start engaging in a worthwhile goal or dream and start moving toward it, life just becomes fun again. And that's what I have really found in this journey for myself, especially the last couple of years as I moved into, you know, I was recovering from an accident. I was at a company that was paying my salary and my healthcare benefits. And like you said before, I just decided I have to step out on faith and take action because I knew what I was doing before was not where I was supposed to be long-term. And I was not happy there. And so we decided just to take this step and move in this direction. And what has come out of this is beyond anything I was envisioning even two years ago at this point. Well, I think that's a testament to, uh, well, first things, patience, but also stepping out. One of the things I, uh, you know, one of the other things in, in Decide is it's, it's how to be immune to criticism and deciding not to be perfect. And I think, you know, I, I've talked to people who want to do a podcast like, like you and I both have. And, well, I got a silly voice and I don't know what to do. And how do I ask people to come on? What if, I'm, what if I stink at interviewing? And it all comes down to this fear of being criticized. And, you know, one of the things that I, I help people with is you got to be immune to criticism. And um, I'll, I'll cut right to the chase and, and give a, another actionable nugget. Uh, you have to decide as an entrepreneur or coach or author or speaker, you must decide in your own head that you choose to be judged on the value and the content and information that you share and not the imperfect way in which you share it. Mm, that's you know? a powerful point. Because it took me 18 months to launch my first book and the last two books I wrote in 60 days. Now, I'm not saying they're pieces of junk. The information's great. I had I hire proofreaders. So I think there's, but I fully know and understand that as soon as I push the go button and those books start getting sold, it'll be a matter of about seven days and somebody will email me or, or better yet, they'll post it on Amazon. Hey, you got a spelling mistake on page 12 or something like that, right? People love to do that. And, um, and as a matter of fact, it's funny, three days ago, somebody who's been watching my videos for a long time says, Jim, you know, I was listening to uh, the audio, the audio version of your latest book, and I can hear you breathing. You should look into getting that professionally done and edited, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> people will point out your every mistake and flaw. And what I've learned is that the people that generally do that, for the most part, are just not doing anything themselves. They have time to to write those uh, sometimes nasty things. And you know what? I just choose not to let that bother me anymore because I know I'm providing value. I know I'm an imperfect person. I know my delivery is imperfect. I make mistakes. I left my cell phone on by mistake. You know, everybody makes mistakes. And, you know, that's okay as long as you're providing value and, and, and really putting yourself out there to help people. Well, no, I agree with that because, you know, that the – that perfectionism and also, you know, that can also lead us to procrastinating to make a decision by just keep planning over and over and over. And what are some of the triggers you've seen that a lot, you know, when people are kind of in that mode, man, they're just, they're like, uh, you know, I think of uh, when I was on an aircraft carrier and we're in the holdback fitting on the catapult and the engines are at full afterburner and, but you're just sitting there. And you're just waiting for one thing to hit that button and launch. And on a carrier, when they hit that button, you, you go from zero to 150 miles an hour in 2.4 seconds. Mm. So what are some of the things that you've seen that allow people to just hit that button and say, okay, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm, I'm launching off this carrier deck and 
Uh, there was days launching off that deck. I, I was scared. I'll just be upfront about it. What are some things that allow people to just mash that button? I love that. Mash that button. Uh, there's, uh, there's a place um, I've deemed it Squishyville. Squishyville is where people who have indecision and can't make up their own mind, can't get out of their way. The, the world is actually full of people uh, that live in Squishyville. Now, if you look, you know, you could say there's the 80-20 rule. Um, we, well, we know that 80% of small businesses fail in five years. Most people say it's because they ran out of money. I say, well, they may have ran out of money because they ran out of guts and courage to hang in there mm-hmm. until, they, until they got the momentum. And then you could even look at, again, here we are in election time. So people talk, oh, the top 1%. You know what? The top 1% by and large are made up of people who risk and they have guts and they take action and they move forward at rapid rates of speed, not knowing necessarily where one foot's going to land as, they, as they're running down the road. But they know they're going to be okay. And if they step in something, they'll just quickly push it off their shoe and keep going. Not everybody is cut out to do that, right? It's, it's, it's uncomfortable moving ahead at a rapid rate. I have a, a team of 13 people that help me run my different businesses. And, um, you know, I, I was talking with somebody the other day. I said, if I had to, I don't know how to send an email to my entire list. I have people that do that. I write it and I said, here, send this, make it look good. I don't even know how to do that. And the reason is you don't want to know how to do that. That is task oriented activity. You want to be focused on the high level, the high revenue generating activities that, that are worthy of, of somebody who wants to make a nice living and, and, a nice, and a nice income. If you're focused on task-oriented things, that's not going to get done. And I think, John, you know, what it really comes down to is how far and how fast you want to grow and what are you willing to do to get there. And I think there's an awful lot of people who start a business. I applaud them all. But if you, if you're starting a business and thinking that it's going to be, you know, easy, um, most most people I know, I got a good buddy who started a business seven years ago. He's almost at ten million. He goes, if I knew half the stuff I would have gone through ahead of time, I probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger. <laughs> but you know, it's those type of things that it's those people who are resilient. And those people who are willing to do almost anything without fear of being criticized, <clears throat> those are the people who are doing well. Well, you know, I think you brought up a really important point, too. I think, uh, you know, people with that entrepreneur mindset that, that we have to develop, it's how do you structure your day to optimize this environment, this business environment that we are creating where we really are focused in working in our strengths, things that are going to serve the people we're called to serve that's going to bring value to them, value in growing our company and all these other peripheral things, especially if you're starting up and it's just you or you and one or two other people. And if you're, if you allow yourself to be pulled into all of the, these areas that are really not your strengths, it's going to lead to an area of, of a lot of frustration so how do you help people with, you know, delegating that work and really focusing and doing what they do best? So um, chapter, I think it's six in, in the book Decide is called Delegate or Stay Small Forever. So I lay it right <laughs> out there because you can't. And here's the thing. I, so, you know, I actually mentioned earlier, you come up with your own language terminology. So not only Squishyville, but... Um, 
you know, when when you decide uh, to delegate, that is what you need to do in order to get to the next level. In other words, when you delegate, it's very much like putting the cart before the horse because you're like, well, should I or I don't know, am I ready for this? And so one of the other terms I came up with is called a when I. I will uh, get an assistant when I, I will start doing Facebook marketing when I, I'll hire a coach when I, I'll join a mastermind when I. So a when I is somebody who really is moving the goalposts all the time because they're never going to get there. If you think you're going to be able to start a business and grow and market it and, and keep it going just on, on cash flow alone, I'm not saying you won't get there, but talk, I mean, that's going to be the tortoise and the hare to the extreme. Um, one example I give about somebody being willing to invest and, and get there in a big way is, is Fred Smith. When he started Federal Express in the late 70s, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with this story, John. Yeah. He wrote that, wrote that paper in college and the whole spoken wheel overnight delivery system. Well, Fred didn't just buy a used Cessna plane or two and try his, his program in Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky. He invested in multiple DC-9 jets, a pilot, co-pilot, ground crews. He, he did have some used delivery vans. But, I mean, he set up the whole network and lost millions and millions and millions of dollars month after month until it caught hold and grew. I mean – that is that is somebody who was investing and in, you know I call it taking your chips and pushing them into the center of the table and betting on yourself. There was a point and I I I I really um, don't like to give advice for things that I haven't done myself. So I'm very comfortable talking about this because in 2006 I had the opportunity to join uh, my first mastermind group and I remember this well. It was $400 a month and it's $400 a month in extra cash flow that I didn't really have. But there were some really smart people in the group. I was totally familiar with the whole concept of masterminding. Having read Think and Grow Rich and been part mm -hmm. of different groups like that, and I knew it would help me. But I'm, you know, we tend to make decisions based on what our CPA or we put our accounting, our I call it green eye shade thinking. We put our our accounting cap on, and oh crap, I don't have this. So when I get another client or two, then I'll do it. When I want to, want to. But I said, you know what? Here's what I got going for me. I have another credit card <laughs> with a balance, thank, thankfully, or some credit limit. I know that I have an incredible work ethic. I know that I'm really ready, willing, able to do it and, and implement any idea I can. So I joined that group, and within four months, I was cash flow positive on that decision because I heard an idea, I implemented, and I started taking in more money through my core business. So being willing to invest, whether it's to, to hire an assistant or two, virtual assistant, employer, whatever, and putting that cart before the horse, that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. I mean, there is, there is, no, there is no safe strategy about being a business owner. Well, I, you know, <laughs> this is such a a topic close to my heart because I was stuck in the when I, when I started this coaching practice, right? I was coming off of two years of recovery from my accident and I was trying to just, we, I mean, we were, that wiped me out. I had seven figures of medical bills and just everything else. My wife was not able to go back to work. So I was doing everything myself and it was about six months ago. So a year and a half into this that I said, this is ridiculous. My wife made me sit down and go, what is everything you're doing in your week that somebody else should be doing? And we came up with almost 20 hours a week of, of stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I hired an assistant six months ago and literally it's been life-changing. And now the team consists of three people and it was a big investment. But what it has done for me to be able to focus on what I love to do, the growth of the business, the outcome with our clients, 
that is a piece of advice I wish I would have heard and followed, Jim, you know, two years ago instead of six months ago, quite frankly. Uh, we all do it. I mean, when Facebook marketing came around, I said, man, that looks great. And I probably blew two grand messing it up myself. And now I have a team of people that really know what they're doing. And so do I put out like a management fee? Absolutely. But is, is my Facebook marketing working so much more efficient than if I did it? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there are skill. And here's the thing, you know, there's a example. If you want to earn a million dollars, you need to be doing work that's worth $400 an hour, assuming you're going to work 50 weeks a year and work 50 hours a week. I don't know anybody that does that, but it's easy math this way. So 50 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. If you earn $400 an hour, you'll earn a million dollars. So if you think you're, okay, let me just maybe manage my own database or let me input my daily receipts or let me do anything that's task oriented that you can hire somebody for 15 or 25 or 35 or 40 dollars an hour for, that's what you're worth. So most entrepreneurs say, oh, I can do it faster, cheaper, and better than anybody. So why would I spend that money? It's because if you're doing that work, you're only worth $25 an hour. So hire it out. And what I tell people is I know it's hard, but and especially if you're in what I call cash flow mode, you know, every, every decision is critical. But if you would, I said, start, you could hire a virtual assistant for 10 hours. You could do it for five hours a week. And let's say they're $25 an hour. So for basically $125 a week, you could free up five hours. And, you know, you, I'm sure you can find $125, even if you have to borrow it. But what would suddenly happen if you found yourself with five hours a week? Would you start writing your book? Would you start launching your podcast? Think of all the things you want to do, but you're too busy to do. You just got to remove the busy and focus on the high revenue generating activities. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's been transformative for, for our business. What's happened in just the last six months is just doors have opened uh, and opportunities have uh risen to the top beyond anything I even ex I, I ever expected, Jim. That's great. And, you know, part of that, John, and, and circle back to our er earlier discussion is you're doing something I believe you're called to do. Yeah. And I know from our previous conversation, even before we went live, you're living your life in a way that is, I think, honoring and, and pleasing God. You're giving back. I know you're, you've got a very, uh, a big heart for charity and things like that. So it is the whole, it's the whole package um, that, that, that's, that's working for you right now. And I'm, that's awesome. Now, as we wrap up, Jim, what are just, you know, think about those, those folks that are listening, right? They're probably all the same kind of people that uh, go through your workshops that you coach with. What are just some final thoughts that you'd like to leave with them as they're driving or r running down the road, listening to this? I'd like to um, tell them I did something uh, earlier this year after fighting it for six months, but there's something that, that uh, is proved to be very important in my life, very beneficial in my life. And I teach it to a group of people. But um, so I did an audio book because I just didn't want to turn into a full blown take six months to write a book. But it's called Serve First, uh, Unlock a Life of Abundance and Purpose. And what I learned the, the slowly is that um, when you serve others, so this is both a life strategy, but it, it's honestly a business strategy as well. When you serve others first, instead of saying, hey, just become a client, I'm going to serve you like you won't believe, you know, you start serving first and giving value. And part of that is the marketing. Are you sharing some good information? Are you, you know, your podcast is free. There's tons of value here. So you're serving 
uh, there's a whole audience that are benefiting from this. And I think that's part of the serve first mentality. So I, I would just, when I created serve first, I said, well, should I sell it for a buck? Should I sell it for five bucks and donate all the money? And I, what the message I received from God was that no take down any barriers. So it's free. I don't even require an opt-in, right? So if anybody wants to hear a 42-minute audio of the Serve First strategy and what it's meant uh, for my life, they can get it at my website, which is getjimpalmer.com. Again, it's totally free. Uh, There's no opt-in, nothing. You just grab it. I won't even know you were there. Well, that's awesome because I was just going to ask you, what's the best way for people to connect to you? And it's getjimpalmer.com, correct? Yep. And you can find everything else, you know, about uh, Jim, his newsletter courses, his dream business coaching, his workshops. And and Jim, I tell you, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time today because this is just really helpful to me personally. I actually took two pages of notes as I listened to everything you said today. I appreciate the opportunity. Can I give one more uh, offer to your uh, listeners, John? Yeah, please. Um, so my book, Decide, it's my latest book. I'm, I'm still, even though I'm not uh, technically in launch mode, it's still open. Uh, I am giving away free copies of that book. Uh, the only thing I ask is, it's a real 200-page paperback, is uh, if you pay six ninety five shipping and handling, I'll send you a free copy of the book. The website for that is decideforsuccessbook.com, decide, F-O-R, successbook.com. Again, it's free, six ninety five shipping and handling. If you go to Amazon, you're going to pay $25. Bucks. So don't, I mean, you're welcome to do that, but uh, let me ship it out to you, and you'll get it for six ninety five. Even if you're overseas, um, I'm shipping books all over the place, sometimes $25, $30 bucks ahead, but it's still six ninety five on this end. Awesome. Well, everybody listening, uh, all these links to get Jim Palmer, uh, to the serve first message to decide for successbook.com will all be in the show notes so you can check it out there and that'll link uh, just go there and that'll link you everything to the to uh, what Jim just shared so thank you again Jim much appreciated great interview my pleasure God bless you and uh, I hope all your listeners got some value today Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66 marketplacerock.com for john ramstead i'm steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to eternal leadership